Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Thursday for The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you along today on this memorial of Saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And today, as we begin the program, do you have a best friend? Who is your best friend? And how often do you get to spend time with them? Now, if you're listening to this show, The Inner Life, it's a program about spiritual direction, and it's heard here on Relevant Radio, a radio network that exists to support the Catholic Church And our mission statement here at Relevant Radio is very simple. We exist to bring Christ to the world through the media. So if you're listening to Relevant Radio right now with the main goal of growing closer to Christ, to be encouraged and strengthened in your Catholic faith, when I just asked you that question, who's your best friend? You may have thought to yourself, well, it's Jesus. And if if that was your initial response, that's, (laughs) that's perfect. It's great. But when I'm asking you about your best friend, I actually mean somebody else besides Jesus. Who is that person that you enjoy spending time with above anyone else? Now, if you're married, then you might also have responded by saying, well, it's my spouse, you know, your husband or your wife. And yes, I too would identify my wife as my very best friend, but she's obviously more than just a friend as well. There's a unity between us as husband and wife that goes beyond just mere friendship. And so again, if you answered that your spouse is your best friend, fantastic answer. I'm right there with you. I hope if you are married, that's where your mind went. But again, I'm going to ask you to consider a different person than your husband or wife. I'm speaking more about a platonic friendship here. So again, who is that best friend for you? When's the last time that you saw them? One of my very best friends is a guy named Matt, and he and I have known each other since we were about 10 years old. We grew up going to school together uh, when we were in college. We took a road trip across the country from the Pacific Northwest down to Alabama. Uh, Matt, when I was coming into the church, he ended up making an eight-hour drive just to be there so he could be at Mass and celebrate when I was confirmed, when I received First Communion, you know, went through and uh, was brought in as a convert. Uh, I was the best man at his wedding, and there's all kinds of stories I could tell you about Matt. We now live almost 2,000 miles apart uh, in different cities across the country, but we still keep in regular contact. Now, in high school and college, Matt and I, we had one other good friend that we were, the three of us were always kind of doing things together, palling around. Uh, But we didn't become friends with this other guy, Dan. Uh, didn't become friends with him until we were all sophomores in high school. And the only class that Matt and I shared together that year, that sophomore year in high school, was our class of English, that one hour. Dan was also in that same class. And Matt and I, 
you know, we'd been good friends at that point for several years, and we would be sitting there at our desks in the back of the classroom talking to each other during the class, making, oh, these funny or stupid little comments occasionally, the sort of things that high school boys will do, you know, just trying to make your friend laugh with some quick little witty comment or aside. Most of the time poking fun at, you know, the teacher or one of your fellow students, you know, fairly harmless. But, well, Dan, he would end up sitting next to us. He would kind of, you know, position himself where he could be in one of those desks right near us. And he would start joining in on these little comments that we'd be making to each other during the class under our breath, you know, kind of just just to each other. Uh, at first, when Dan would say something to us, Matt and I would give him this look, this kind of expression that says, who is this guy? Why is he speaking to us? What's, what's he doing here? But Dan wasn't deterred. He just kept on talking to us. And pretty soon, within the next days, the next weeks, Dan was actually starting to make us laugh. And we were starting to talk with him more and more. And I remember asking Dan about that several years later. I said to him, you know, I know we were kind of resistant to you at first. You kind of forced yourself in as a friend. But I I think most other people, when we gave them them that kind of, who who does this guy think he is, kind of response that you got from us right from the start, they, they probably would have backed off. They would have stopped talking to us. Why did you keep on talking to us? Why, why didn't you end up backing off? And Dan told me that he saw what good friends Matt and I were, and he wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to be included in that circle. So he didn't care about our initial response. He was just going to keep being a pest until we accepted him. And we did accept him. In fact, during our college years, Dan and I, we actually had a closer friendship than the friendship I had with Matt. With Dan, I could find myself talking about all kinds of things, about hopes or dreams things I might be frustrated about. We could connect on silly and stupid humor, but we could have these deep conversations about philosophical, theological topics and concepts. Dan and I knew that our friendship was bigger than anything that we might have disagreements about, things we might not see eye to eye on. And that allowed us to be very honest with each other in a way that, you know, however we shared and spoke about the things in our lives. And it actually, it really makes me sad to say that I no longer do talk with Dan. Several years ago, he ended up isolating himself from almost everybody he knew. I think even his family. He rarely speaks with anybody except for his mom. During his mid to late 20s, Dan ended up being married twice and both times ended up in divorce. And he started really struggling with some mental health issues. And I continued to try and reach out to him during these years, but he eventually asked me to stop contacting him. And so I told him that I'd respect, I'd honor that request of his to end any communication. Um, he just said, I'm not the same person that you knew. Uh, I, I, I don't really like myself, and I don't like the way that others might see me. And so he just wanted to cut everything off. But I also told him that I would be available if... He found himself at a place where he would want to talk again, where he'd want to pick up again. And that's where it still stands right now. You know, it was a very, very special friendship. I'm not sure if we will ever be able to pick up again. I I hope so, but I am really thankful for the time that we shared as good friends. I don't know if you have a friendship like that. What do you think makes for a good friend? Is it someone you can talk to about those important things happening in your life? Is it someone who makes you laugh? 
who brings a little brightness, a little joy into your day when you're feeling maybe a little down. Do you have that kind of friend? How about a friend with whom you can talk about your faith life? You know, I think it's difficult to find those true friends, someone that you can connect with on several different levels, you know, might be about family, might be about, oh, just uh, things happening in in the culture and society, things that you have in common, but also to have a friend that you can talk to as a fellow Catholic, a fellow believer, a disciple of Christ, someone that you can talk to and feel safe to be honest about your struggles and your temptations, as well as the joys and the victories that you have in your spiritual journey. That is a truly rare friend. And then what about having that friendship with Jesus? You know, I mentioned that right at the beginning of of the hour. How does that relationship look in your life? Well, today, this is the feast of Saints Martha and Mary and Lazarus, and we want to look at their example and what it means to be friends with Christ, as well as how we can foster those friendships with other Catholics. And so helping us look at that ideal of friendship, friendship with Christ and friendship with others, is one of our spiritual directors, Father Bobby Blood. He's a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and going to be starting as spiritual director at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois, for this upcoming school year. And uh, Father, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you here on the air with us. Now, that, uh, that's a brand new assignment for you, being spiritual director for a high school. Are you looking forward to that? I am, Josh. Good to be with you. I'm, I'm I'm very excited. I spent the last two years in a busy parish, and and now I get to run full speed ahead with uh, these young people. And it's just been a real gift to kind of have a few months to get set and make some plans. And I think the Lord's got got something brewing. Yeah. Now, did you have a, a, a friendship that has continued on for you, whether it was from when you were young or a lot of times, you know, you'll make those lasting friendships in high school or college? Is there somebody that comes to your mind as that true, really good friend? Yeah, I had a friend uh, I got to know playing football in middle school, and then uh, I kind of found my faith in a deeper way in high school, and, and he was around for that and kind of followed our way up through. He was in seminary for a time, and uh, we still keep in touch now. He, he left the seminary, but um, we're still in contact all the time. And um, one of those friendships where you just know you can show up exactly where you are uh, with, you know, if, if you're having a good day, a bad day, an indifferent day that there's just somebody there willing to, to be there and listen and, and receive you just as you are. So I, I've been very blessed in that department. Yeah, you know, those those friendships uh, are so important. And I like how you said, you know, wherever you are, I've had that same experience with a couple of friends. You know, it might be a year, two years, three years since you've seen each other, but it always feels like you can kind of just pick right up. It doesn't matter the months or the years that have gone by you're able to just get right back into that friendship very comfortably, very easily. Um, But, you know, as we start our conversation talking about friendship today, looking at the lives of the three saints that we remember with the memorial today, it might be good to start the conversation going back to the story of creation. And when God created Adam, right at that point, there's one comment that God makes right away. And it's simply, he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And that's when Eve is created. And out of Eve, then the entire world eventually is populated. But can we discuss that, that part there initially, how we are designed, we're created to live in some sort of community. We're not supposed to be off on our own. Yeah, I think even looking at our own experience, you realize if 
you put yourself out on an island, even for a short amount of time, your mind starts to swim a little bit. There's a certain level of confusion that comes if we try and figure out life on our own. And I think that points to exactly what you're talking about, that we're created for community. We're created not to just be out on this island, but to have another person, another group of people who can uh, enter into your lived experience. Because it it almost grounds itself at that point. Because now we're not just wandering in a desert, but we're going someplace through the desert with another. Um, and so that plays out in different ways. You know, I'm a school priest now, and I had some friendships at my last assignment that I hope will continue. But also I know that the Lord has something new uh, by way of friendships here in this new assignment. Um, so we have uh, that opportunity as priests to build these kind of communities or you know, my priest buddies down the street. Um, but then you have, as you talked about at the top of the hour, right, those who are called to marriage, you have your person, right, a person to kind of enter into that community with. Or it seems that the Lord, in a certain respect, never wants us to have a time when we're on our own, even in the scriptures. It talks about uh, man it has to leave his family and, and go start his own family. Right? So you have mom and dad as you're growing up as your initial community, but then when you step out from that, there's something else the Lord has planned. What do you think are the dangers if we do cut ourselves off from living in relationship with others? If we just say we don't want to have anything to do with anybody, I just want to be a hermit and go live out in the woods by myself. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go find a cabin out in Montana or Wyoming, and I don't want to interact with anybody. I'm so glad I live in an age where I can just have Amazon <laughs> deliver whatever, or I can order anything else online or whatever it is. Uh, what's the danger if we do isolate and cut off ourselves? Yeah, I think that desire comes up at different points. I remember living in a large community and there were days where you just have that desire to, to be off and away, and that can be good for a moment of retreat. Uh, but if it's something that becomes our, our normal day-to-day -day life, I think we're susceptible to lies. If we're on our own, in a certain sense, we're breaking ourselves off from the community of the church, uh, and then the evil one is prowling and whispers those lies, and if we don't have the strength and the time to speak truth to those lies, we're kind of left out on our own. Uh, the same too, it is hard to grow without a brother or sister in Christ there to help us see our flaws or help us see our gifts and build those up. Um, we only have one perspective. And to go out on the island as a hermit, we're losing out on so many different uh, perspectives. And then the humility of another to, to say, hey, we could work on this, or hey, this is something that's beautiful and good, and I, I think you should lean into that. Um, so we have both of those temptations, right? Either to the lies or uh, even to losing a certain sense of self without people who really know us to, to draw us back into reality. Uh, kind of conversely then, I mean, you're talking about the things that we miss out on. What do you think are the biggest benefits of having that? Is it exactly what you're talking about, the things that you're missing out on there? It's the fact that you have somebody else who allows you, you know, you get that different perspective, you get the different viewpoint that helps you to be able to look at the world in a broader sense, be able to come uh, to your relationship not only with others, but with Christ, with God. Having a bigger picture of what life really is and what God calls us to be. 
Exactly. I mean, we all, at the very minimum, have this desire to be known, uh, to to serve, to be loved. Um, that's what we're called to with God. But even in the human sense, I think we all have this natural desire to be loved, to be seen, and to be chosen. And if we are in a place where we can't see that's true, we're going to feel that longing. Um, but also just the simplicity of it's good to laugh. It's good to have fun. It's good to have uh, a companion to notice beautiful nature together. Right? To have the shared experience then allows us to have that greater uh, view of the world and a greater view of ourselves and a greater view ultimately of, of the one who created us. Uh, because these friendships we're going to talk about today reflect that greater relationship, uh, that greatest relationship that we will talk about with Jesus. We learn about our relationship in faith, first and foremost, with our family and our close friends. And as we delve deeper in faith, we realize, oh, there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of places where um, the things that my human friendships teach me also help me to learn about my relationship with Jesus. You know, I, I love the fact that you said it's good to laugh. It's good to have fun. You know, just those are things. I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had this over and over and over where I'm watching something and might be a movie or a television show. And if I watch it on my own, it's very rare that I will laugh out loud. Um, it's just, oh, that might be genuinely funny. But I rarely will laugh out loud. It's just, yep, that is funny. I acknowledge it. I might smile to myself. But if I'm sitting in the room with one other person and I'm watching that same movie or that same television program, whatever it might be, then if they laugh, I find myself laughing more readily out loud with them. There's something about just being there with one other person. Now, if you find yourself in an entire movie theater and everybody in that theater starts laughing at something that happened on the screen, it's almost impossible not to laugh along with them. It really is almost contagious when you have that other person or a group there around you, just being able to, to laugh, to enjoy that moment. Uh, it, it, it just kind of struck me as you were talking about that. Good to laugh, good to have fun. And on your own, I don't think you, you might acknowledge, well, that was fun or yeah, that was funny. But it doesn't strike you the same way. You, you know what I'm saying, Father? I, I do, yeah. It's that, that sort of shared experience where you can take note of, oh, you know, it, it, it's worth engaging with our emotions because there's another person to, to be a touch point in that. Right. I, I think about even some of the relationships I've had throughout seminary and um, something, you know, me and my buddy will be complaining about something and then the professor names the same thing that we were just complaining about. And you just kind of have that side eye where you just connect, uh, you know, uh, gaze for a second and then you look forward and just realize like, Okay, I'm on the same page with somebody. And that's just enough to kind of give us the freedom to, to continue to, to enter into that moment, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, I even think about, you know, often as, you know, when you're in high school, you have a lot of shared experience, right? And then sometime in college, but then when you get in the workforce, there's a certain level of you catch up with your friends. You get together for a cup of coffee, and that's good, but you don't have as often the shared experience. You don't have often the adventure together. And I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, being able to do more than just uh, regurgitate what we have experienced in the past, but to say there's something new the Lord has in these relationships, uh, and it's worth running into those with another. 
Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. And we're talking about friendship, not only our friendship with uh, those around us, especially our friends that are fellow Catholics, fellow believers, followers of Christ. And we especially want to take some time and look at what it means to be a friend of Jesus, to have that friendship, that relationship with Jesus. And how about you? How do you live out your friendship with Christ? Are you struggling maybe to have that friendship with Jesus? Well, that's why uh, Father Blood is here as our spiritual director to offer some guidance, some assistance. And our studio line is 888-914-9149, And we'll talk about that. We'll look at what it means to have that friendship with Jesus coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. There's that unmistakable voice of Randy Newman. Thanks for that, Nick. And uh, thanks for listening to The Inner Life today here as we're talking about friendship, uh, both our friendship with Christ as well as our friendship with other believers and how that helps us on our faith journey. How has that close friendship uh, helped you to grow stronger in your faith? Have you seen the fruit in the life of a friend of yours where they've grown in their faith because of that shared friendship? And maybe it's the friendship that you have with Christ that you'd like to call and talk to us about. Maybe you're struggling to have that friendship, have that relationship with Christ. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, Uh, Father, as we talked about last segment, today is the feast, the memorial of Saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And we wanted to look at this idea of friendship because we have a couple of different gospel readings, and we'll get into those in just a moment uh, today at Mass that we'll hear. But um, we can look at the friendship that these three individuals have with Christ. And also, in the past, today was only the Feast of St. Martha, it's now been updated that it's St. Martha, St. Mary, and St. Lazarus all together. All all three names are included. What's the significance, first of all, in that change that we have for today's feast? Yeah, I think anytime we see a change in uh, the Roman calendar, it just should kind of uh, flash a little light bulb, hey, this is important. Uh, Pope Francis, I think it was back in February, changed the feast from Martha to to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Um, And he pointed out that um, the reason we should focus on them as a trio is because of their important evangelical witness uh, to who Jesus really is. I will see in the, the reading later uh, in Mass that uh, Martha proclaims that he's the Christ before we even have that powerful witness of Peter doing the same. Um, but through the Gospel, we, we have them all tied together, right? The story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Lazarus when he died, Mary and Martha when uh, they were welcoming Jesus into their home, um, I think for some time there was maybe a question about uh, Mary's identity, and so that's why they held off in naming it as a trio. But 
Um, they realized that Mary and Lazarus were included in the Roman martyrology way back when. So Pope Francis was saying, hey, uh, these, are, these are the real deals from the gospel, so let's, uh, let's celebrate them. So he made it an obligatory memorial. So everybody in the, the whole church gets to celebrate their great feast today. You know, I also thought it was uh, interesting in looking at the gospel readings. Um, and I, I, I'm saying that correct. I'm not misspeaking when I say gospel readings, plural, for Mass, because there are two options for the gospel today. And uh, maybe you can kind of walk us through them. I'd be interested to hear what stands out to you in the interaction of the friendships that we see between Jesus along with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus there. One of the things that I thought was interesting is when Jesus enters the village— He's going into Bethany, and in Luke chapter 10, the second option for the gospel reading, it says a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. So it seems that Martha is the one who initially greets Jesus and brings him into their home where Mary and Lazarus then can meet Jesus. And that's one of those things that we see quite commonly. There's somebody who initially meets Jesus and introduces others to him. And you were kind of talking about the the reason that we have all three of them, you know, that evangelization aspect of their role in salvation history. Um, but, you know, we see Peter introducing, uh, I'm sorry, it's not Peter, it's Andrew who introduces Peter, um, but originally called Simon, to Christ. We see that with the woman at the well, you know, Jesus is there and she runs off and tells everybody, you got to meet this guy. <laughs> He's got to be the one. He's got to be the Messiah that was promised. And it seems that that's the case here with Martha as well, that she's saying, hey, I've met this really interesting guy. I'm bringing him home for dinner. Um, and, you know, other things play out. But um, that really stood out to me. What stands out to you in uh, what we encounter today in the gospel readings? Yeah, I think uh, first off, just that the fact that they brought Jesus into their home, I, I think something about that reality just kind of knocks the walls down. It's not like they went to uh, the synagogue and heard a great preacher and there was a distance between them. Jesus came into their home. Uh, sharing a meal is so powerful. I even remember it my, my former assignment, there's a family who uh, would always welcome me open door policy. And that's hard for me because it's easier if they just say, hey, come on this day. But they had such a familiarity that they wanted me to know that I always had a place to go. And there's such a distance um, or there can feel like such a distance between us and Jesus because he is this great preacher, this, this son of God, this Messiah, but he wants to meet us in our humanity. And so I think that's one of the most powerful uh, realities of this friendship is that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus knew him as the man walking on the earth, and they knew him as the Christ, uh, but they allowed him uh, to enter into the simplicity of their life. And, and then we have the, the playing out of, of Mary and Martha, right? What's the best way to be in friendship with Jesus? Is it to sit at his feet and listen and receive? Is it to uh, prepare the meal and be busy kind of cleaning and preparing and running about? Well, he, he says that there's an important focus on being able to just be with the master. Um, and yet that doesn't say that we can't do some work for Jesus too. So we get to see the humanity of these great saints interplaying with the humanity of Jesus. And I think that's almost opens the door for us to say, I want to be uh, in that relationship with Jesus. I want him to be an important member of my home and I want him to be welcome here. You know, the other thing that in both options of the gospel reading, um, 
really stands out to me. I mentioned at the opening of the program, my friend Dan, we could be very, very honest and direct with each other, even if we didn't see eye to eye on things. There was just that ability to speak very plainly and not hide or try and make ourselves look better than we are. And in both instances, we see that with Martha. In the one reading where she initially brings Jesus to her home, introduces him to Mary, to Lazarus, she gets frustrated and she says, basically kind of almost tattling on Mary, tell her to help me, you know, don't, she's just sitting there listening to you. And then Jesus speaks just as honestly saying, Martha, she's chosen the better part. But then in the other option for the gospel reading, when Lazarus has died, it's Martha that's the one who's speaking. And she says very bluntly, Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I I think there's that ability to be honest, to be our true selves with Christ, not try and just put our best foot forward, but say, you know, Christ, Jesus, this is who I really am. And knowing that he, he will just take you as you are. You don't have to try and be something you're not. And even to be honest about those moments where we feel let down by a friend, we can still trust that they're willing our good. You know, even when our friends let us down, does that mean that they stopped caring for us? Does that mean that they were trying to harm us? Well, no. I mean, Martha makes that distinction, right? If you'd been here, my brother would not have died, but I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Jesus, even though I'm sad, even though I'm disappointed, even though, frankly, I'm frustrated with you, I know that your ultimate plan is to take care of us and it's going to be okay. And I think that's another important lesson for our friendships. People will fail us. People will be less than what we expect or need, but they're trying. And I think with true friends, we give them the benefit of the doubt and continue to enter into those difficulties together. So let's talk just briefly here. We've got a lot of people on hold, so I want to get to phone calls very shortly here. But let's talk before we uh, take some callers. What does friendship with Jesus really look like for us, Father? You know, I think it's easy to have this attitude in prayer of mainly asking for the things that we need in our lives. You know, we're, we're all kind of needy individuals. But if I had a friend who was only coming to me and asking me to do things for them, if they didn't offer their time or offer to do things for me in return. You know, not, not that everything has to be reciprocal. That's not what a friendship is necessarily based on. But if they were always asking and never giving in the relationship, it'd be hard to consider them a true friend. So what does that friendship with Jesus look like? He has given us everything. He's opened the gates of heaven for us. He's offered his life for us. And so we can come and ask for things, but what do we give in return? What does that friendship look like? Yeah, I think very simply, you know, friendship is a manifestation of reciprocal love, but it doesn't mean it's even, (laughs) because as you're referencing, Jesus has blown the doors off when it comes to generosity. Well, he's never going to be outdone. Uh, But I think there is a response to that love that's important. Um, First, it's just to take notice that the love's been given. And it's easy to blow through a day and not to take a moment and just take a a deep breath and realize, wow, he's offered me so much. Obviously, we have uh, the big things, right? His life on the cross, the hope of heaven, but also in in brief moments where he's 
been in, uh, intimately involved in our day to notice those acts of love of Jesus, to thank him for those, right? If, if we never say thank you, it feels like a burn quickly. Um, but also, I think the next step is to strive to make sacrifices for him as well. Um, again, we're never going to reach his level, but uh, throughout the gospel, he gives us examples. First, we, we meet Jesus and the poor. And that could be as simply as having a conversation with somebody at the water cooler who is boring or annoying, right? To go out of our way to try and see and love that person because we love Jesus. Another is uh, simply to spend time with him in prayer. It's easy to uh, try to overload our prayer time with different devotional items because there are a lot of good and holy devotions and, and we should do those, but sometimes just to be with him. As John Vianney says, you know, he looks at me and I look at him. I think that's an important part of friendship. And finally, just to offer your gifts back to Jesus. You know, I had a buddy who uh, was a world-class violin player. And then he joined the seminary and he felt like he had to give up that part of his life. Well, that's what I did before I gave my life to Jesus. But I remember a few years into school, he felt the Lord calling him to pick the violin up again, not to put on concerts, but to just sneak into the chapel late at night and play for him. Uh, as we see, like David in the scriptures. Um, as simple as being able to play that violin became this beautiful gift of love back to the, the Lord. And I think all of us have those different gifts. You know, uh, for, for me, it's moments of counseling with people. Um, I don't just do it because I love the person in front of me. I also do it because I love Jesus and I want to care for his people. And so I think it's important for us to take time to to take note and inventory of, of what is what gifts have the Lord given us and how could we give those back in a daily way? Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. And we're talking about friendships, our friendship with Christ, as well as our friendship with fellow Catholics, fellow believers. And how does that look in your life? How has that close friendship with somebody else helped you to grow stronger in your faith? Or how do you live out your friendship with Christ? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Mike, who's calling from Orlando. Hi, Mike. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Mike, you there? Uh, We might come back to him. Well, tell you what, let's go then. Marie is listening in Jacksonville, just a little ways away from Orlando. Hi, Marie. You're on the air with Father Blood. Father, thank you so much for being on the show today and so grateful for your pastoral ministry. I wanted to share that I have the privilege of praying the rosary every day on the phone with my friend in another state, and we get to pray the rosary every day, the joyful, sorrowful, glorious, and luminous mysteries of our Lord's life, and we offer it for our family and friends. And it's really helped us not only be closer as friends, but be closer friends with our Lord. Yeah, that's beautiful to be able to to bring together that friendship with Jesus with another person. And that's powerful just to have the, the sort of consistency of being able to pray that rosary in a daily way. I remember uh, a group of my friends and I after dinner would go for a little rosary walk, and it became a tradition. And it became something that uh, sort of became foundational. Because right? could you imagine after you get in the habit of, of meeting Jesus and your friend in that way to see that uh, fade away is sad, or even if you miss a day, you can sort of feel that sting. Oh, there's something different. There's something missing, huh? 
Our spiritual director is Father Bobby Blood, and Marie, thanks so much for calling and sharing that. That's uh, just such an encouragement to hear how you make that time to pray the rosary for your families and uh, have that connection there. Our studio line, if you'd like to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about friendship, friendship with Christ, friendship with other believers, right after this here on Relevant Radio. Radio and the relevant radio app. Aretha Franklin, what a friend we have in Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Inner Life today here on this Thursday. So glad to have you with us on this memorial of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. We're talking about friendship, friendship with Christ, talking about friendship with other Catholics, how we can cultivate and grow those, the benefits that we receive from that, how they are absolutely necessary. And our spiritual director today, Father Bobby Blood, as we're talking about this, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have that close friendship that has helped you grow stronger in your faith. We'd love to hear how that has played out in your life, if you've seen that fruit in your life, uh, or how are you living out your friendship with Christ? Maybe you're struggling in living out that friendship with Jesus, and that's why our spiritual director is here to offer you a little bit of help, a little bit of advice on your spiritual journey. Again, the studio line, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, you know, we've talked about our friendship with Christ, and when Marie was talking, she was talking about that friendship with that friend of hers that allows her to really grow in her faith. And that's something that I wanted to spend just a little bit of time on here. Uh, how do we try and, especially if we don't have that friendship, how can we find that good friend? I mean, it's so hard to find friends the older you get in general, but then also to have somebody who you, you, you feel like you can not only connect on common uh, things that you enjoy, you know, hobbies or, or, you know, shared interests, but then also to have that faith aspect there. Any advice for somebody who's saying, yeah, I really wish I did have that friendship. I just don't know where to start. I would say it's going to take a risk. Um, I wish I could say that making these deep sort of spiritual friendships is easy, but um, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes a lot of work, and um, sometimes it takes a little bit of waiting. Um, But I think first and foremost, just to take note of those friendships that we do have something in common with, even if it's something simple. We love the Cubs. Okay, that's a, a fine place to start. And then eventually uh, to try and be more vulnerable about our own experiences. And I think that's right there is the linchpin. That's where it's difficult because uh, for many of us, it's hard to even be honest with ourselves about our own experience, to take the time to reflect on um, life and things that are greater than us. And where have we been with Jesus and where are we going to, to ask these questions in private time and prayer and almost to get more familiar with our own hearts. And then from that, to bring these to the more simple friendships we have and to see what sticks. Some people might respond wholeheartedly, wow, we have that in common. I also go to, you know, St. 
fill in the blank parish or you can naturally have those connections or maybe they're nowhere near there, but they want to get there. And then we can be that evangelization like we talked about with, with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. But I think it's striving for that vulnerability in prayer. Uh, and then we can take that out to our other relationships. Um, I know for, for me, it's uh, a little easier because of the shirt I wear, right? right. People it's, come it's... to expect that. <laughs> Everybody knows what you oh, do for a living, right? Right. And then it's hard to talk about the Packers. You know, it's just they want to go straight to the faith. Uh, but I, I know some of my friends who have different sort of talents than me. I, I met a friend who's an artist. And so then using uh, art to talk about faith say, oh, this is beautiful. The stuff you're doing is wonderful. Have you ever seen, you know, this classic art piece that depicts a saint, right? Finding ways to integrate the faith into our normal conversation and our normal existence, I think, uh, starts to, to open up those doors. You know, you've used that word vulnerable a few times. And that's one that I think there too, you know, if we were hurt by somebody, by a friend who we really did trust, how do we end up I guess, allowing ourselves, you know, we can find ourselves so guarded. How do we uh, put that trust in God that Mm. both, you know, our relationship with Christ, we're not going to be hurt there, but if we do step out again and try and be vulnerable with somebody else, uh, we're, we're setting ourselves up to where we can be hurt. Any, any thoughts on that, Father? I think the sort of, friendship or the sort of love that we enter into when there is a risk of being hurt, that can be some of the most powerful uh, moments or relationships we can build. Uh, but we have to, again, like you said, get those, get to those places where we can put the walls back down. And I think the first step in that is to allow ourselves to feel fully what's happened. Cause it's easy if, if we've been hurt in a friendship or someone let us down to kind of immediately close up, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. I'll keep moving on. But you've really been hurt. You've really been stung by that person. And we should be honest about that. And then invite Jesus in. Jesus, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know why this went south. We were, we were doing so well in friendship. Um, and invite him into those tender parts uh, to find a healing and a forgiveness for that person. But also to realize real friendship, real encounter to be seen and known and loved by another person is worth the risk of being hurt. Christ did it. Christ did it on the cross. He gave us that example that I'm going to lay down my life in an incredibly painful way because I want to be in relationship with these sweet people for all of eternity. And in a small way, we're called into that same level of risk. But we have the the benefit of a Lord who we can fall back on in those moments where ah, that friendship was insufficient. It didn't provide what I needed. Well, we've got somebody in our uh, right behind us who's there to support. You know, I, I think that's such a good insight, Father, that, you know, if we're approaching a friendship of only what we can get out of it or only how we can protect ourselves, you're probably never going to have that deep, significant ability to share and relate with that person. Um, you know, Christ didn't hold back when he offered his life, his friendship, his love for us. And so if I'm only approaching saying, I'd like to be somebody's friend, but I want it on my terms and I only want to do it this way, then yeah, it's probably never going to work out. Uh, We've got Brian who is listening to us out in North Prairie, Wisconsin. Hi, Brian. Welcome to The Inner Life today. 
Hi, good morning. Um, I just, going on what you just said, um, I just want to bring up a program that um, the parish I was at at the time got into a little over 10 years ago. It was That Man Is You from Steve Bowman at Paradise's Day. And just part of it is, you know, you guys don't really get to talk too much together or don't talk about their faith. And at the beginning of the program, you took a test on moral issues. And at the end of the program, you took another test to see how you changed, and you could tell dramatically how you have changed on on moral issues. But we met in small groups with a bunch of guys, and, you know, you have a short video. You talk about it afterwards and give your perspective on your life. And after the program ended, we kept going. We got videos from uh, Father Larry Richards and a bunch of other guys, and we did it every week. We had discussions after every video, and a lot of those guys I'm still good friends with. I go to daily mass now, which I didn't before. Something like that would be outstanding for, like, a parish school for the parents in there. or the you know they, I understand they have uh, one for women as well, but... For guys to talk about their faith together, it's really powerful. Yeah. Brian, were were you surprised at the difference that program made? Before you started going, did you have a certain expectation of of what could be provided and then what you actually were given through that program? Um, I had a turning point at that point in my life, and I wanted to deepen my faith, so I thought this would be perfect for something for me to get into. But when you took that test before the program started, you know, just on your moral beliefs, and then after you went through all the programs, it took, you know, half a year to go through it. And we did it at like, you know, six in the morning. So guys could go go there before they went to work. Um, And then you took the test afterwards, you go, holy cow, look how much I've changed from where I started. Yeah, uh, Brian, I appreciate your example in that. I, uh, I've i been involved with that program throughout the years, and it is, it's it's powerful when we set aside that time to connect. And I think that's that's one thing that's hard to kind of loosen our grip on is is just offering our time for these relationships and this time to, to grow as brothers and sisters in Christ. So really appreciate that, Brian. Yeah, great to have you join us here, Brian. Let's go to Mike, who's listening in Orlando, Florida. Hi, Mike. We've only got a couple minutes, but wanted to get you on the air here, too. Uh, you're on the air with Father Blood. Okay, thank you for taking my call. I'm probably just going to amen what uh, Brian just said. I was part of Curcio a weekend in 1994, and uh, the weekend encouraged me to have that encounter with Jesus Christ. And as a result, we were encouraged to gather together in groups and meet each week. And while I haven't been in the same group, I've just now, I'd say for the past 15 years, been in the same group, three to five men. We meet every Thursday morning We uh, on Zoom, which we did this morning. There were three of us. And we've had quite a year. I mean, we lost a member because of COVID. Uh, We've added members along the way. Of course, we've lost them. A couple of people moved away. But I just want to say, you know, just like uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, don't neglect meeting together. And I always Hmm. think, well, that means church. But, you know, I think when men meet together or women meet together, it really, uh, like Proverbs says, uh, is iron sharpens iron, men sharpen men. So I think this is what we really need in our, especially in our culture right now. And I just 
want to let uh, everyone know if you have a way to do that. Of course, I, the Curcio was a wonderful way, a method for that to happen, but it just really changed my life. Yeah, and what I love about both Curcio and This Man Is You and there's there's countless other programs is in those uh, systems, they give you permission to be honest about where you're at. And I think that's very important, especially for, for men in the church, but also women in the church to have these places where we've given permission to be who we are and then let others meet us in that place. And so I, I appreciate you sharing your experience. Yeah, another great uh, example there with Curcio. And, you know, that's one of those uh, retreats. I've never gone on it, but I, I know several people who have. And it's where the husband will go one week, the wife will go the next. And that also brings up the question of if you are married. Uh, you know, that's going to be more than just a friendship. Obviously, there's a friendship there. There's that relationship. But it goes beyond just friendship. And how do you, you know, we talked about being honest about who we are with Christ, and that's difficult enough. Any advice for somebody on how they can kind of grow that spiritual dimension of their marriage if they're struggling to kind of figure out how to start that conversation and that part of their relationship? I would say, first and foremost, just being honest about joys, being able to name the things that uh, brought you life. Uh, even if we don't drop the name of Jesus in the first few conversations, to just say, there's something that's giving me life throughout my day. Uh, or, on the inverse, there's something that's heavy. There's something that was difficult today. And from that, we can start to uh, extrapolate and grow and, and share more about our own experience and then to have solid support um, with your brothers and sisters to be able to share about those things that maybe your spouse doesn't have the capacity to receive yet. And that doesn't mean go find a gossip circle, uh, but it means uh, being able to have guys night or girls night and um, continue to, to enter into these real conversations and then bring those home and, and share with your loved one. And also this is just a small side piece, but Always, always pray through uh, the intercession of our great saints, especially maybe Monica in the situation where if a spouse isn't quite where you are in the faith, to realize that doesn't mean that they won't be uh, ever or that they won't even maybe surpass us in faith. We always have great trust that the Lord's not, not done with us. Right. Well, and that, yeah, I'm glad you ended with that. Prayer is key for every aspect of our spiritual lives. Father Bobby Blood, our spiritual director, thank you so much for joining us for this hour and uh, just giving us so many good insights on friendship. In the last 15, 20 seconds here, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing? Through the intercessions of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Father, we ask your blessing upon these, your dear children. Father, we ask you to extend this blessing to the depths of their heart and those that they love the most. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. And thank you for listening. Of course, the podcast will be available here shortly at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app if you missed any portion of the earlier part of the program. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father James Kubicki. I hope you can join the program. It will be a great conversation. 